So anytime my sister and I get together, we end up having conversations that are just as much nonsense as they are uh, deep theological discussions. Uh, so my sister's staying with us now, and my wife said, you know what, you guys should just record this and turn it into a podcast. So we said, okay, let's do that. So that's what this is. I hope that you can appreciate it for it being exactly what it is, unfiltered, unedited, just uh, two siblings sitting down and talking. And, uh, and of course, we hope that you enjoy it, too. All right. Hey, we're um, this is me. My name's Chris Green, and I'm sitting here with my sister, Kristen LaValle. I'm here. She's popular online. So famous. <laughs> <laughs> Selling... Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say something else, but selling oils. That's that's your that's things, your first descriptor for things. me. Is I don't know, what should oils. I say about you? Tell us. I don't know. Tell tell whoever it is that will be listening to this. Tell us uh, who are who is Kristen Lavalle. Oh, I hate that. That's that's such an existential question. Who am I? I don't who know. am I today? To I don't know. You, I don't really care about other people. Today I'm so. tired. That's that's who I <laughs> who I am today. Why are you tired? Why are you tired? <laughs> Let me flip through the reasons that I'm tired today. How, how about the main one? <laughs> the main one, I'm pregnant with twins. And we are in the process of trying to save them both in a high-risk pregnancy. And that take is... It, take it to that level. So exhausting. <laughs> well, I was going to lead with, I'm tired because your cat is haunting me and torturing me and I sleep with one eye open. But that's a bit of a fabrication, yeah. so... <laughs> slight, slight fabrication. Yeah, that's me. Pregnant with twins. Yep. What's your life look like at the moment? Um, transition. We've been living in an RV for almost a year, almost a full year now. Was it March or April last year? It was the end of March. Okay. So we took off last week of March. You packed up your rental house. In the dead of night. He said, screw this. We're yep. out of here. Our words exactly. Yeah, from like, from Massachusetts. You you bought an RV. Yep. How, how many kids do you have? I know, but maybe we have they don't. three children: and two, two boys and a way. girl. Two on the way, basically doubling our offspring. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are in one fell swoop. Yeah. So, but you've been living in an RV since uh, April. Yep. List some states. Where have you been? We have been everywhere on the East Coast except. West Virginia. We skipped West Virginia because I don't know. Appalachian people freak me out. <laughs> <laughs> it just wasn't in our path. Okay. All right. Fair enough. But we went out west and we did. So we cut down to Florida first and we hid out in Florida for a couple months while restrictions were super intense. And then we went back up through New England and across through Michigan, went up through the UP of Michigan. Through the what? The UP, the Upper Peninsula. Okay, thank you. Michiganders will know. Okay. Um, Is that what they're called, Michiganders? I think so. I hope so, or else I sound really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut across. We did Wisconsin, Minnesota, South Dakota. I didn't do North Dakota, because once you've seen a Dakota, I feel like you've seen all of Dakotas. You are just on the fast track to offending half the country. <laughs> I'm getting canceled. Um, yeah, it was great. Montana was our favorite state out west. We skipped California because California locked down again when we were there. So there was no campgrounds open. And then we started heading back here and we found out I was pregnant. Okay. So here we are moving back to Massachusetts. All right. Woop woop. 
Is it settled, Massachusetts? For now. Mm, for now. I ever, mean, ever the transient, ever with your. Probably going to be New open. England until the babies are old enough to. To not be babies anymore. I was going to say decide for themselves, but that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> These days, that can be really young. Where do you want to live, children? We'll go wherever. The-, the the age of when babies can decide what they want to do with their lives has become dramatically yeah. lower. One year, 12 months, that's yeah, it. Yeah, Tell us exactly. what you want. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so you're, uh, you're a traveling family, homeschooling the kids. Yep. Working for yourself. Yep. Technically, right? You work yeah. for yourself? Yep. You've been doing uh, uh, that for how Four long? years. Four years. Yep. And you guys, you you can, like you're doing so well that you can live off that income. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Which yeah, it's really nice. Enabled you to be able to do yep. what you're doing. Cool. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I don't remember if I said this or not, but uh, we're, uh, Kristen is my sister. I'm her older brother. There's two years between us. It's the first time in our life that you didn't correct me. I know. I did in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's one year, 10 months, Christopher. It's 22 months. 22 and get months. it right. Um, I'm a pastor at a uh, traditional church. And you and your husband, Zach, who uh, you guys have been married 12? Yep. 12 years? Yep. Um, and we've, uh, Rebecca and I have known him from the beginning, too. Yep. Part of the fam, you guys have taken a a, a different uh, journey with the church. Well, this a similar journey up into up until a certain point. You talked a lot about um, church hurt, mm-hmm. um, things that kind of mainstream things happening in the church that you um, you you question. You've, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of people who've kind of come at you. Um, Saying, "Oh yeah, me, me too." Not to yeah. hijack that hashtag, but kind of to hijack. In the hashtag. church world, they say, "We too." We too. We okay. too. We too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> church, church hurt. Uh, you've been talking uh, a lot lately on uh, Instagram about um, uh, critical thinking, yep. especially in all the all the uh, crazy political stuff that's been happening and all that kind of stuff. What have been some yeah. of the funniest comments? you've received private dms that oh, you've received gosh. on any of the or the some some of the, like most out of this world um <sighs> funny is going to be objective because what's funny to me is to somebody else is going to be like but that's a really good question <laughs> <laughs> i think the ones that make me laugh the most are the ones that just can't get past certain theological ideas or like systematic structures like the biggest one people ask is but what qualified male are you in submission to what qualified male are you in submission to yep i get that one anytime i talk about how we're not really a part of a traditional church body it's but what qualified male are you in submission to (laughs) clarify qualified why does it have to be a male and what do you mean by like we could talk about we you could spend a whole down. hour talk about talking about each element of yeah. that statement yeah but you get that enough that you can give multiple comments that general heading yeah <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> all right that's been one of the issues or issues that's been one of the topics you've have you talked about that online a lot this the the difference between uh 
what the theologians call complementarianism and egalitarianism. I, I've touched on it a little bit, but I haven't done a full description and breakdown of each one, but I probably should. It's a good idea. You should. You should. We have... I like starting fires on the internet. Yeah. yeah. Then, and, and then you come in as the fireman afterwards. Like, yeah. Oh my <laughs> guys, calm down. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to save the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, what qualified male are you in submission to? What are some other ones? Like what, what's been the, yeah, probably church hurt stuff. I know you got a lot of like sad stories, like people sharing their stories yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, what was the most radical story that you got from that? That you One, oh, one story stands out if you can share it. There's actually three different women who told me the same story. Different churches, different denominations, same exact story. And it was a senior pastor who groomed them from high school and had inappropriate, never turned physical until after the girls got married to separate, separate like they didn't marry the pastor, they married another man mm. and then ended up having an affair with the pastor and got convicted and repentant and realized what had, that it was abuse and that they were never really they thought that the, that they were um consenting but really they had been groomed from uh, the youngest one was 12 when wow. her pastor started meeting with her alone um and then when that's they, what you call grooming when they started one-on-one yeah one-on-one okay. Inappropriate touching, driving them home, hugging, telling them they're beautiful, earning their trust, things like that. And then when they came forward and told the church what happened, the pastor spun it and they were kicked out. And all three of these, the same all thing three, happened. same exact thing, almost the same exact story timeline of events. And wow. they had to go to therapy. Their husbands stood by all three of them and were very supportive and loving and caring and realized that they were victims of abuse, not just. Yeah. You know, Jezebel, <laughs> adulteress. Yeah. Yeah. But those are the ones that come into my inbox that I'm like, oh my gosh, we don't even know what's going on behind the walls of these yeah. pastors' office sometimes. So what do you say when you get the people who, um, who will, because I've seen the comments online too, um, who are like, you know, you shouldn't be talking about church hurt. You shouldn't be slamming the church because mm-hmm. you're a part of the church. And, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, chill out kind of, uh, kind of what's the, what's your response to people like that? When, Cause on the one hand, you've got these, these very real stories that mm-hmm. are dramatic. I mean, these are probably, that's probably an extreme example, Definitely, but yeah. three, three of them. Yeah. Um, uh, but then on the other side, you got these people saying, you know, uh, we should be encouraging each other, building each other up, sure, you know, yeah. let's not tear down the body, that kind of thing. So what, what are the, like, what, how do you how do you hold those two things together those two uh i don't know perspectives those two tensions it's hard to to hold it together because there's uh, i know that i'm not bashing the church and i know that what i'm doing is the opposite i'm trying to pull people back into the bride of christ because what most people do when they're hurt is they don't find um they don't find people who are empathetic and who are willing to listen to them and who are willing to walk through them through the messy healing process, which can sometimes look like your faith breaking down. And sometimes your faith does break down and they don't find safety in Christian community. So they look for elsewhere. And a lot of them go to the deconstruction camp where they say, actually, none of the Bible is real. And God is just the universe. And they find safety in that. And so they do end up abandoning their faith. Um, And what I'm trying to do is 
pull these people back into Christian community because I don't believe that you can fully heal without the body of Christ to, to help you heal. So the people that don't get what I'm doing, I'm not really talking to them and I can't make them understand except if they're wanting to understand, they can understand by asking me nice questions, not <laughs> accusatory questions mm-hmm. because, and sometimes I get people saying, you're encouraging people to leave their churches. No, I'm not. I'm encouraging them to make their churches better so that this, this doesn't happen. Mm. But holding the tension is hard because I'm speaking to the people who have been hurt. And when I'm speaking to those people, I know that there's people who on the, who on the outside don't really understand the conversation that's taking place. And I just have to be okay with them misunderstanding it because it's not for them. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, some of us are isolated from those kind of, uh, those stories of people. So yeah. we don't really have, uh, which is great. If you've never seen that or experienced that, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do wonder if so many things in our day, if they aren't like, we're so connected to each other. We're so that national conversations or things that are happening. Let me say it another way. Things that are happening in different regions, um, they don't always have to do with everything, everybody everywhere, but then the, right. the language and the, the rhetoric of these, these tensions come into a specific thing and become very, uh, inflamed. Like a, yeah. a, a, a person who's reading you talk about church hurt and has never experienced that. And it's from a healthy church has been part of healthy churches their whole lives. They're going to, they're going to look at that and they're going to be like, wow, you just need to, you just need to, uh, find a qualified male to submit to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what they say. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they don't, I think a lot of people don't see the distinction between what I'm doing and what um, the ex-evangelical movement, and those are people that grew up in the evangelical church and are like, ex-vangelical. I'm an ex-evangelical, I'm not an evangelical, and they spend all of Why their time. one word out of it? Why can't they just say know. ex-evangelical? Because it's not as cool. You got to blend all the okay, rooms. Go ahead. But they spend all their time it's it's this it comes from this critical spirit and this like wanting to take the whole institution down so when something really big happens like the rabbi zacharias bill hybels all these pastors that get, that get exposed for their abuse they're like see it's all like this and mm. they they criticize the whole institution and their solution is get out of the church and just l- live your life and there's a lot of parallels between what i do and what they do but but the spirit is different and what I'm pulling people into is different. So people on the outside tend to look at that and see some similar language or Mm. some similar criticisms and automatically put people like Zach and I, who have, who didn't leave the church because we were hurt. We left because we felt compelled towards a different path of ministry for now, maybe not forever, but for now we feel compelled towards this other path and they see the parallels there and think, okay, well, they're just telling people to give up on Jesus altogether. We're like, no, we're actually raising the bar for what it means to be Mm. the body of Christ and lowering the bar for what it means to follow Jesus. So instead of making all these restrictions and rules and things that are arbitrary in this system, that it's more about the system than it is about life in Christ, we're saying it's actually a lot easier to follow Jesus than what you think. And when you follow Jesus, the way scripture lays out, a lot of these things work themselves out and you don't have these systems that create hurt and abuse and cater to narcissism and tears of authority that are not biblical whereas the other other side is saying throw out everything throw out the baby the bathwater, get rid of it let's create something new and just mm. follow your heart kind yeah. of thing i was reading i want to ask you about the the parallels between you and ex-evangelicals 
um, between you and Zach and evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was reading this morning from um, uh, Thomas Oden, just briefly uh, picked up the book to see if I want to read it. Uh, the Rebirth of Orcs Orthodoxy. And it caught my, the, the first chapter caught my line and reminded me of something also that I'd read from Henry Nowen, but it talks about the rootlessness mm-hmm. and how um, basically foundations in it, you know, he's wrote, wrote it back in 2003, I think, or at least it was published in 2003. But he's, at, even at that, that point, he's talking about systemic issues and society, and mentions systemic racism in these first few pages. Um, but he, he talks about the rootlessness and um, I, I think I've seen that this, especially in this last year, among more and more people uh, from our generation and younger, really experiencing this sense of, I can't find my people anywhere. Yep. I can't find my yep. place anywhere. And it, it's kind of, it is deconstructionism, but on a on a massive, totally. I, it feels to me anyway, to be like a massive scale where I just don't trust the thing that I grew up with. Yep. Or I don't trust the the framework that I've been given. And uh, yeah, what do we do when we don't trust the framework? We set out to build something else. And it's yep. always going to be like reactionary at first. Mm-hmm. I had this, therefore I want this instead, the opposite of that. Um, but it's, 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 I think it's a really interesting time. And of course, the, the, um, the, the ones that, that win the day, I guess, or win the attention are the extremes. Yes. Like, forget it all let it all go like god is this person but he's not confined in institutions therefore institutions are bad and i think what probably what's harder are the voices that are calling more for not radical departure but radical reform yes um absolutely departure departure there's something like uh, i don't know like cinematic about someone throwing a match behind them to the institution church and yep. walk away while the explosion yep. goes off behind them <laughs> but it's a little bit different for the for the the reformers who are trying to be positive and encouraging build up but not not shutting their eyes to where there's rot in the woodwork or yeah. where things need need yeah. rebuilding it's a really interesting um I don't know. I think it's a really interesting season to be alive in. Um, so when it comes to uh, you and I, I think we're probably in pursuit of, I think I know we're in pursuit of the same thing, but um, maybe on the outside, we're on completely opposite paths. So here I am. Uh, I've, I've moved away from, uh, moved back here from the Netherlands, back to New England um, to, to really see, to kind of uh, rebuild, mm-hmm. reform even, um, on a, hopefully on a bigger scale, but focusing locally um, uh, into a traditional church. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're singing hymns. There's an organ on the stage. Yep. Um, there's wooden pews. You know, I don't know that it gets more picturesque traditional <laughs> yeah. than than where we're at. I love, I love the people here. I love this church. I believe in... You know, I, I believe in its 200 something year history, um, also in its future. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, no, it sounds like <laughs> you're opposite. That's not what I mean to set up as, but you, you and Zach have uh, taken the path of, you know what? Um, we are going to, 
whether you feel called or whether it's just that logical conclusion of events and you know what we're just going to try this um outside of institutional church what is that i have a couple questions about that but what is what does that look like so you're a part of christian community Mm -hmm. but you're living in an rv traveling from place to place Mm -hmm. so there is no locality no really there's no fixed position it's what how, what is you being a part of a Christian community? What does that look like for you practically? So this past year, it's been, I mean, we we identify a lot with Paul and the other apostles and what they were doing, traveling around and planting these little seeds in different communities. Not that that's not that I'm saying that we're Paul, but that's kind of what we. That's what I heard. I heard you just. <laughs> I am Paul. Paul. I I am the authority in this room. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> But we've just, we've seen so much um, unexpected goodness in these communities of people that we weren't looking for. We just found them and or they found us or the Holy Spirit crossed our paths of people who are on kind of a similar path, not intentionally being like, you know, setting the church on fire and walking away, but just feeling this. I feel like there's something else for me and I don't know what this is. I don't have words for this. Like we found communities that the pastors were having dreams and visions and they didn't know what that was. And they were like, I dreamt my whole church was speaking in a different language and it wasn't an earthly language. Is that tongues? Do you guys believe in tongues? And we're like, Oh yeah, that's what you dreamed. If it wasn't an earthly language and they're just, they're looking for something, they're being called towards something, but they don't, um, sometimes they just don't know what it is and they're just trying to to figure it out. And so Zach and I have found these communities in every single state that we've been in, whether we were looking at looking for it or not. Um, So that's kind of what it looks like on a daily basis where we find people, we talk to them, we pray with them. Sometimes we can go through all of the sacraments of church in the, in a single day, the praying for each other, exhortation, worshiping communion, all of these things that happen in a traditional institution church. We, we are still doing those things. It just is a little bit more organic. And then and like uh, being rooted in a community, we have we both have a circle of friends, whether individually and also together, that some of them are in traditional churches. Some of them are senior pastors. Some of them are missionaries. They're all these different people. Some of them are just people like us who are still just trying to figure out where God is taking them next. And we talk to them daily. We pray together. We do Bible studies together. It's just not all in the same place at the same time. It's just these little smaller community like Zach has a call that he does every week with about seven other people and I have a bible study that I do with one other woman so it's just kind of like a organic and not not as structured as I'm used to which has been hard to wrap my head around but they're still giving they're still tithing they're still all the things that make up a church community it's just not one church body and one church building all at the same time is it is it seasonal for you and is this like do you feel like this is a period of your life or do you feel like you are uh, carving out the form for a new way of being a part of the body of Christ for you going forward? I don't know. I, I think there's a marriage in the middle somewhere and I, I crave a regular community of people where there's 
expectation and there's a meeting together every week and there's a normalcy and regularity to it. And I see that in the next maybe year or so us being a part of a home church or starting a home church, something like that, but marrying these things that we've learned and that Jesus has spoken and elements of, um, returning to orthodoxy and those things that I feel like the institution of church has abandoned and in pursuit of things that I don't think are biblical. Mm. Um, and marrying those two, with like, like marrying organic church growth with the traditions and sacraments of church that are important and crucial to a community and finding some kind of middle ground there. But I also don't know. I know that there are seasons and sometimes it feels like a season. Sometimes when I think about getting into a traditional church, it makes me have a headache, (laughs) but we're open to whatever God has for us. We're just... I think we're still kind of um, unraveling a lot of the things that we wrapped our identities up in and that were so ingrained in us that this is the only way to do it. You can't do this. Mm. If you do it any other way, then you're not a Christian. You're not really, sir. You're not a pastor. All these things that were just kind of drilled into us. We're still kind of detoxing from that a little bit. And I think that's an important part of the process too. So we don't, if we do end up in a leadership role or in some kind of church, we don't bring those things that hurt us back into it, whether intentionally or not. So I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. So the, um, well, first of all, it, it sounds like it's part, and obviously I, I know a lot more of your story than just what you're sharing right now. Um, it's not new information for me is what I mean to say, but it does, it ha- and it has sounded like that it's this whole, especially the last year, um, it sounds like it's been part uh, exploratory, discovering, rediscovering faith, church, totally body of Christ, uh, kind of getting back to core principles, while at the same time also almost, almost like missionary status, yeah. traveling from place to place and just trying to be encouragement and build up where you can. and. Yeah, there's a lot of healing and just meeting somebody that has been through what you've been through and says, yeah, no, I get it. It's Mm -hmm. it's real. We too. We too. Me too. We too. Whichever, (laughs) whichever you want to go with and meeting so many people that weren't looking for somebody to come and say, hey, I've been hurt like that, too. And I have held on to my faith. And in fact, my faith has gotten deeper and my love of the bride of Christ has been more enriched because of this is so validating for people and gives people the permission to, to let it go and move forward because they know that it's not something that they did wrong. It's not something that was an isolated experience. It's something that is systemic if nothing else. And that it's possible to, to move past it with your faith intact or even more intact than it was when you walked through it. All right. So uh, taking the, the things that you've seen, things that you've learned um, uh, in this in this part of the journey, when you now look at a local church, right? I, I don't think any part of you has ever said, um, you know, local uh, communities of faith that live in vicinity to each other and that worship together on Sundays. No, no part of you have ever said, do away with that. No, uh-uh. Um, when you look at the things that you've learned, seen, heard, and look at the church now, what are the things that you think uh, are obstacles in the church? Of course, bro- big brush strokes, not that every church has right. these things. But what are some of the main things that rise to the surface for, for you where you think, 
man, we got to get we got to get rid of that or we got to mm-hmm. change that if we're if we're really going to um, be the, uh, the church for our generation. Right. I, mm-hmm. I forget where I heard it or maybe I read it somewhere. But every church or every generation has to redefine the church for their generation. Mm-hmm. And I think what I've missed, not from you, but from in our generation, also in the Netherlands, it's it's like it's my maybe it's a Western culture thing, but um, specifically, but it's certainly uh, in our generation, maybe a generation older, but certainly our generation and younger, where um, uh, what I want to say. Uh, what did I say before this? Something's missing, not from me, but from our generation. Oh yeah, thoughtful reengagement. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've missed this thoughtful saying. You know what? We are you know the reformers, the people who say that there's a there's a crowd that just leaves, yep. and then because wow, that's there's nothing for me in there. And then then there's a I think a big crowd that just disengages. Yeah, like they 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 either continue on with the pattern of what things how things are and you know it doesn't feel broke to me so let's not fix it mm-hmm. um and, or maybe people who just kind of move to the fringes but never actually do anything maybe they see mm-hmm. the same things but it doesn't feel like it feels like we have in some sense in some ways maybe we're dropping the ball our generation is maybe dropping the ball on re-envisioning the church for our generation yeah and then and then stepping into that boldly. Maybe we're planting churches, but maybe planting churches isn't always the answer yeah. either. Maybe that's totally maybe. And I'm, I'm speaking as a church planter. I, uh, that's, this is also work that I've done, but maybe, maybe sometimes maybe planting a church is the easy way out. Yep. Maybe, maybe that's just as much disengaging, yep. uh, real reform, um, then, um, uh, it, it, than it is engagement. What so if we're gonna as a generation we're gonna say you know you and I we're in our thirties. Um, if we're gonna say the church that I see, this is this is what I'm looking for. What are the obstacles in the way to becoming that? In your view. Well, I think it's easy to to make a list of all the things that I think are wrong and that are unbiblical and need to change, but that's really big picture and it's something that you it's just easy to criticize and it's easy to say look at like like the power structure and we don't have true biblical understanding of our callings and there's all this like I don't know these systematic things that that need to change and return to a more biblical um I don't know perspective on it but I think the biggest thing, letting go of all of the the negative and the criticisms, because if you just focus on what's wrong, that's all you can focus on. And you're never right. actually coming up with a solution. You're just saying, look, at this is what's wrong. And here's all the proof that it's wrong. OK, then what? OK, mm-hmm. we get it. Like, we get it, especially after all this year of all these pastors being exposed for all like we we get it. Yeah. There's nobody that hasn't seen this at this point. I think the biggest thing that we're lacking in churches and the thing that would not only prevent spiritual wounds from cutting so deep, but would allow for healing within the community that you were hurt in is better community and being better brothers and sisters in Christ and understanding what good relationships are and how to build good relationships and how to make people feel 
accepted and welcome and loved and taken care of. And there's this principle that Life Model Works, which is an amazing ministry. They take brain science. What's it called? It's called Life Model Works. Okay. They take brain science and biblical principles and bring them together to help churches build better community. It's fascinating and it's changed so much of the way I see all of this. But one of the things they say that's so important for communities is that you're with people that are happy to be with you no matter what. So people that make eye contact with you and you know that they're happy that you're there, whether you're anxious, you're depressed, you're going through something really hard or they're going through something really hard, but you're going through something really great Mm -hmm. and you're just happy to be together no matter what's going on. And I think if churches, regardless of what their structure is, what their theology is, how terrible the past is, how great the pastor is. I think if the community is healthy and is committed to being healthy and loving each other and not just coming into church to get their fill and then getting out or to check off some box, if they were there to serve each other and to love each other and truly be the bride of Christ with each other and with the world around them, but with each other, um, I think that would change things from the inside out. And we'd, we'd be looking at like decades from now to really see true reform because building healthy community is messy and it's hard and it takes so much commitment and selflessness. So you'd have to really start planting those seeds and being maybe even being the only person in the church that makes everybody feel like they're happy, like you're happy that they're there, Yeah. but it would be a start. Yeah. So the, your, your framework for understanding the church is, is primarily one of relationships. Absolutely. Relationship. Absolutely. The church is relationships. Yes. Right? We're the body of Christ. We're the yes. family of God. All those yep. metaphors. Before structure, before systems, yeah. we are intrinsically relational. You cannot be the body of Christ without yeah. relationships. There's a, um, a church, a really great church leadership book. And I, I'm not really big on church leadership books, but one, um, the trellis and the vine. Hmm, it's a really good one. one. Uh, talking about the different, the trellis is the organizational things that support, but the vine, vine work is the main work. The, hmm. you know, going from the metaphor that Jesus said, abide in me and abide in the vine. Um, okay. But the way you're describing church community, like we can't all just love each other and be friends. We can't like, we can't be like, um, and here's my one critique of, of, uh, people who uh, say, "I'm done with the institution. Here's my here's my group of friends. We are the church. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no iron sharpening iron there. You're not you're not getting into conflict with each other. That isn't. I mean, you are because we're people, but it's not like you're not being challenged to love people that you would not be friends with. Mm. Isn't it? Isn't it a cop out to kind of say, Meh, you know, I want to I want to be with the uh, I want my church to be always be happy for me. Always, uh, I w- want them to be happy that I'm there. When sometimes, just personality-wise, there's just people you want to avoid. There's people who, who their personality just takes you off. The way they <laughs> say things, the way they, the way they think. The, you know, there's a certain type of personality that, or that, even I struggle with to uh, to get through. But I, I learn because I'm in. I'm in church community with them. They're part of my church. I learned to love and appreciate and communicate with. Isn't isn't it just kind of isn't it a little bit of a cop out to say, um, to to hold such a, a almost like a kumbaya kind of vision for for a church community? I mean, if that's what you hear when I say that, then yeah, that's not. 
Well, you said things like love. Uh, they're always happy to see me no matter what. And they'll be happy for me even if they're doing, if I'm doing uh, great and they're doing bad. Not not happy from an emotional standpoint, but happy from a the the center of our Christian walk is joy in Christ. Mm-hmm. And you can be annoyed at somebody, but, but your annoyance of somebody's personality shouldn't disqualify them from feeling welcome and accepted in a church body, even if they're a difficult, cranky, but mm-hmm. if they are following Jesus, we don't have those in the church. Difficult, cranky, but yeah, definitely no. not at all. But as someone who has been a difficult, cranky, but who has, has felt been. like has been not anymore. Mm-hmm. No, nobody has problems with me anymore, but I've always had a hard time in church community because women have a hard time understanding me and men don't know what to do with me because I'm more like people, people in leadership in the church have said, Kristen, you're more masculine and Zach is more feminine. So we don't really know what to do with you or you guys do things <laughs> differently in your house. Like, I'd love to get Zach's wow. reaction to, uh, to <laughs> him being more feminine. He gets it all the time. He's like the nurturer and I'm like the go getter. People are always like, who actually wears the pants? And I'm like, we both do since 2021. <laughs> but I've, I've felt at most churches and this is, he's, uh, he's not a feminine no, but he's like feminine. He's gentle. He's he's more of a tender personality. And I'm more of a like, well, we're going to set the whole thing on fire and we'll figure it out later. And yeah. he's like, let's just take our time and like try to understand what they're talking about. I'm like, no, I get it already. It's done. Yeah. But I've had such a hard time in churches where I feel like nobody's happy that I'm there. Nobody. And whether it's a vibe that I'm giving off or I'm just, I just don't fit in. I think being happy to be together is not about enjoying each other's presence all the time it's enjoying that we're a part of something within the body of christ that is good and healthy and um being happy that somebody walked in isn't i'm i'm so happy i get to hang out with this person but i'm glad that they came here i'm glad that they felt safe here and as far as like curating your church i think there is a danger in that absolutely that's a good word for it curating your church yeah i think that's that we shouldn't just be picking and choosing who is our um church and i think this is also something what zach and i are doing i don't think is for everybody i think it's something that a mature believer can can do in submission to the holy spirit and I think that's something that the Lord has to lead you into because you have to be aware of when you're just curating your comfort and like, I don't want that person in my life because they're going to call me out. But what we have is many people that some of them are in my life against my will, but it's really good that they're in my life because they're older (laughs) because they're older and they're um, wiser than I am. And they have very different perspectives. And sometimes they'll say things that, grit against who I am, but because I know them and I trust them and I believe that the Lord is speaking to them, I kind of sit with that and like, okay, well, I can't just toss it out because I don't like it. So I think there is danger in that. And especially with, within groups of people who have been hurt by the church, it's easy to find Mm -hmm. other people who have been hurt by the church and you just sit around and talk about all the things that are wrong and all the ways that you were hurt. We're going to do things differently. And that's like you were saying, that's reactionary. Yeah. I think the difference is curating and building something because you're reacting or running away from something and doing something because the Holy Spirit is leading you into it and allowing him to build his church, which is the the approach that we have is that Jesus will build his church. He'll build the church around us and, or we'll go to the churches that he's building, whatever it is. 
Um, and sometimes that looks like, I don't know, it looks, looks different everywhere we go, but I think you're right. There's danger in it and there needs to be discernment and wisdom in it and be being willing to be around people that aren't, aren't you people, but are good for you to have in your life. Mm, yeah. I could go on a whole tangent of, of, um, how, how church planting becomes curating yeah. your people. And yep. I think just about every church who starts with that ideology of we're going to find people just like us. Yep. We're going to, you know, people, anything that's built on a particular style mm-hmm. of doing things and we only want people who do it like this way, that kind of attitude, it either, it either changes because it doesn't work or I, I, the church never really takes root. Um, there's there's arrogance in it. Yeah, it's it's comfort zone. It's, yep. You said it well. You're curating your comfort zone, um, letting people into your bubble, yep. uh, into your pod. That's the word of twenty. And and it's it can be a way of protecting yourself from the things and the environments where you were hurt, which isn't a bad thing for a season. But you can't you're never going to grow and you're never going to move past and you're never going to evolve as a human being or progress in your walk with Christ. If all you're doing is protecting yourself and building these walls around yourself and building a safe bubble. So you don't get hurt again, you're probably going to get hurt again. We're human and we hurt each other and that's just how it is. And if you're building something to protect you from something, you're also preventing yourself from becoming someone that can, help somebody else heal and help somebody else move forward because you don't actually know how to do it because you're just running away from everything that is familiar and painful, which I get. And I think that's okay to do for a little while, but as a permanent lifestyle, I don't think we should be doing that. That's, that's not what the body of Christ is. Body of Christ is pretty messy a lot of the times. So we shouldn't all be, um, transient RVers for our whole lives. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. I think there's a, there's just a whole there's a whole thing to unpack in all of that. Um come back for part 2. Come back for part 2. Um, through 7. The the um Oh, I'm having one of those days where I can't remember what I was going to say. Anyway, that's probably a good place to stop then. It's probably a good sign. That's the Lord. That it it, it is about what what does engagement look like? Oh, that was, this was the question I was going to ask. So, and then the, we'll uh, we'll be through because I'm hungry and it's getting close to my lunchtime. Um, the in the last, especially in in many ways, 2020 and 2021, um, I it didn't it wasn't that it caught like this COVID pandemic and all of the unrest and all of the the horrible things that have been happening. I don't think it was the source of isolation or Mm-mm. separation. I think it it drastically accelerated us on the path that we were already on. So that the only safe space is with me and my pod, mm-hmm. right? The only, um, uh, and I'm not criticizing because I, I, I uh, you know, our church is still only meeting online on Sundays. Hopefully that's gonna change in the next month or so, but, um, the uh, I go to tr- I go to I tune into the church and I tune it off when I want to or mm-hmm. I can tune into any church around the world that you know or I like their worship or I like the preaching there I, I can I can curate my worship experience not only my little community but my whole worship experience to 
everything about my life like on demand is the way we live now we're coming out of this pandemic and all of these patterns that we've built out all of these these uh this habit that we've got into of curation for our faith and our experience um how do you like what's our steps out of that like what's the first step in into uh some where we're not uh doing our whole lives on demand but we're Mm -hmm. we're learning to walk with christ through all the things that come against our demands against our Mm -hmm. will what's what's the first step into breaking those patterns and habits you think well I, i think it's good to think about what the the last year why we did all of that it was self-preservation and in many ways, self-preservation. We found our tribes, we found the people that were easy to talk to, that we weren't, we knew we could talk to these people. We're not going to get in a fight. The relationship's not going to end over opinions or whatever. We moved towards what was easiest because everything else was so hard. Mm. And now with this settling down, we have to be able to be objective and to evaluate ourselves a little bit and ask, am I serving myself with what I've done? And it's okay. Like, it's fine. You had to do what you had to do. But if you are in submission to the Holy Spirit and committed to a life in Christ, you we don't preserve ourselves. We are, we are not a people who think about ourselves first. We're people who serve others. So you have to think how, how is the gospel compelling me to respond to the world around me? Is it compelling me? Does the gospel propel me to get into a bubble with the people that I'm safe with that I never have conflict with? Hmm. Does the gospel compel us to that? I can't answer that for you. I know for me, the gospel compels me to step outside of my self-preservation and to serve others, even if it comes at a cost to me. And that's not something, especially our generation is accustomed to because it's been so easy for us to just curate everything in our lives. But a believer who is in submission to Christ as the head of the church and to the Holy Spirit for wisdom and guidance we can look at our lives and say, okay, self-preservation over. Now I need to step outside of this and ask Jesus how I'm to respond to the world around me. And it'll be different for every person. And it might not be a overnight. Now I'm going to serve all the people in my community. It might Mm -hmm. be just as simple as saying, Hey, to your next door neighbor and asking them how they are. And maybe even simpler and just checking the narratives in your mind that you've built up against other people based on what you think their political views are or their religious views or whatever. And just starting to unravel those self, the self-preservation mode that we've all been in and step outside of it a little bit to deconstruct our deconstruction. Ooh, come on. There's come a on. podcast title right there. There we go. There we go. <laughs> all right. I got other questions for you on other topics. We'll have to, we'll have to sit down and do this. Again, you said uh, you use the word submission a lot today, and um, mm. that's a uh, there's something Freudian mm. in that. But I didn't uh, say submit to a qualified male, did mm. I? Mm. The Holy right. Spirit is my qualified male. Oh wait, he's not a male. Oh, 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 oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All right, so we got some doctrines correct. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got uh, we got other conversations. We got some food to eat. That's what we're doing now. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is this a podcast? Is it? I don't know what it is, but in any way, I, I, I would say tune in again next week. But I don't. I don't know. So uh, this is the start. Yeah, of a beautiful friendship. Remember when we started a business when we were living in New Jersey? Yeah, Chris and Kristen Services. Yeah, it never left the garage. Inspired by Wishbone, 
And, oh, uh, wishbone. What's the story, wishbone? Really, all it was was an opportunity for us to exclude our younger brother from hanging pretty out much, with us. Pretty much. I feel like most of my adult life is saying sorry to Jonathan. For, <laughs> yeah. For, We're sorry, John. No, no, we let him... We let him have, I think it was like 20% of the company, something like that. Like he got a little bit. Yeah, but we made him take minutes during our meetings. He was like six. No, I remember he had a notepad. Maybe he just scribbled on it. it. Right. He just wanted to hang out with us. We definitely did not screw him up for life. Jonathan, if you're listening, we apologize. We're sorry. We're really sorry. We wish you lived in New England with us. All right, that's the end, everybody. That's it. Go eat lunch and go pray for your church.